Jacob Chastain, I've been wondering for you a question. I was thinking about all of our successes this semester, and I'm thinking you had the biggest change. So what were some of your successes? Oh, my goodness. I don't, You're welcome. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I think the success is just finding different ways to help kids and teachers like that's it's what I love to do it's what drives me and you know as a teacher I had so much that I could do you know just like for kids like I, I could give them a safe space they they love to be in in the class you know today you know we had our little half day and going on winter break and whatnot and uh one of my favorite things during those days was, you know, just to be a nice space where I was, we could hang out with kids and talk and they would just, they'd be like, no, I don't want to, you know, I'm going to miss you chest in and all this other stuff. And it was, it, it's always nice to kind of set, you know, uh, a nice a space for kids to be where they are really comfortable and whatnot. And, um, I miss that a little bit on these half days, but truthfully, you know, as a AP, you know, being able to kind of be a different AP for kids is really fun to watch because over and over again, you know, I had kids just saying, you know, you were, you know, you were, you know, you're, you're, you're so different than other APs or, you know, I've had a lot of kids say, you know, you're the, you're the best AP I've ever had. And it's so funny because I didn't even know who my APs were as a kid. You know what I mean? And it's like, there's, there's so yeah. many of those moments, but they're they're bigger because I get to I get to be helpful in so many different ways uh, and, and be involved in so many different ways. You know, as we were closing out the semester, you know, we had finals and exemptions and I got to really support kids and and, you know, uh, making sure that they were getting their seat time and credit and really pulling them in. And I even had kids who had gotten suspended, but they had to be up there for finals and they were still interacting with me in a positive way. And I was able to influence them and, and kind of get them to do stuff the right way. And it's, it's kind of like that. I would, I feel like my success truthfully in this role for this first half year is, is, I feel like I was successful in saying, you know what, like as an AP, you have to have a lot of hard conversations. You, you're, I mean, I'm the disciplinarian of, I'm one of them, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of seven. And so it's, or one of six, one of seven, whatever. And so you have, uh, that, that's a hard place to be because it's easy to fall into the, the disciplinarian role and really be kind of the iron fist and to be, uh, a negative force, but I have found success, maybe not with every kid, but with, I would say the vast majority of them of, of being focused on, you know, following the rules and giving consequences when they need to, but also building those relationships. And that goes to building relationships with students and teachers. You know, I would have conversations with teenagers and be like, Hey, you know, I know you did this wrong, but here's how we move forward. And that's the case for kids that were doing extreme things. I mean, literally all the way from, you know, breaking into cars in the parking lot or smoking THC in the bathroom to small stuff like responding angrily to uh, a teacher out of line, right? Like literally like the spectrum of student behavior and just bringing kids into the office or talking to them in the hallway or interacting with them in any capacity and having those conversations that are kind of difficult sometimes, but really helping teenagers start to navigate, you know, Hey, like you're an adult, like you, you're going to have conflicts. You're going to make mistakes as you grow up. And those mistakes are going to have bigger consequences as you grow up because <laughs> you get more freedom and you have more knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so your mistakes just become, uh, they have the potential to become really big and you have to learn how to navigate that because it's going to happen. You're going mm -hmm. to do dumb things. You're going to make dumb decisions. And so being able to be someone who's compassionate in that situation and not judgmental and really like, hey, you know what? I know you're getting a consequence today or tomorrow or whenever the consequence is, but let's let's have a conversation so I can get to know you and kind of figure out where to go from here and I'll follow up. And I do. And the kids 
connect to that and it is it's extremely fulfilling now it's 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 i would say it's 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 not the same but it's equal to you know i absolutely adore sitting with kids and working on their writing that is the number one thing i'm missing the most is working with kids on their writing and really connecting with their minds on the page i think that i don't think there's anything i'll ever do that does that but remember my ultimate goal is to get back to that as a principal as a as a leader of a school to where i get more involved in student writing whether that's fully teaching like something bron clark does and having that step in the classroom or just being involved in certain ways that's my ultimate goal but as a first year i would say that's my success is really even through tough conversations through uh, you know, navigating consequences and discipline and all that is really walking away saying, you know what, I, there's a lot of kids in this building who are excited to see me, who kids who have, I've gotten in trouble, who come and talk to me, they trust me. You know, I had a kid, he was in tears because uh, a kid that doesn't cry, by the way, but a kid who's in tears, who he was very frustrated with this class, but he had made a lot of dumb decisions and the teacher was being overly uh, responsive to him. Like she was giving him way more time to do something than he needed to on a paper. He had uh, turned in something that had a lot of um, plagiarism on it and she was giving him a lot of leeway and he came to me out of frustration and he was like, you're one of the only adults in this building. I trust. Will you help me? And I was like, I'll do my oh, best. Wow. And sometimes, you know, I can't always do what I want, right? I can't step in. I, I have to honor what teachers want and I have to honor policy and I have to do all of that. But when I can, you know, I step in and I help. And I also, but the cool part is, as an AP, I get to do that with parents too. You know, I had a parent who was really disgruntled with a different, uh, problem and I walked her through it and I, I saw it through, it took about two weeks, but at the end I got to call her and I said, Hey, you know what? I know this has been kind of a process. I know you're frustrated, but here's my solution. And she goes, Oh my God. She goes, this is, she goes, this is amazing. Thank you so much. And I had so many of those as I was closing out, I had a lot of loops that I closed out as we were closing out this semester where people were like they thanked me and, and not just from the student, but from the teachers and from the parents. And it was, it was, it was, it's, di it's entirely different than an English teacher satisfaction, but it's, but it's incredible just the same. And that's where I realized, like, I love teaching English and I love, I love teaching writing and talking about reading, but truthfully, I love helping kids and that that's my passion. And so that's my answer, Miss Ocho. I'm not going to ramble off into the politics of school <laughs> choice this time, even though you're still fighting with your cats. We have to start recording video because people knew they're probably like Chastain just rambles. And I'm like, no, I'm talking because Ochoa is literally wrestling cats every time I have an answer. I know. Well, this little kitty cat just is, you know, I saved her and she was very hungry when I saved her. And she is like, she cannot live with that. I don't know what she does while I'm gone, but she just, I'm sure y'all can hear her. I, you we can't. Will not. Zoom you does can't. a good job. No, Zoom does a good job at kind oh, of cutting good. out this stuff. So we really don't. So I just oh see God. you so flailing around with a cat. I know. Well, I'm trying to keep her from knocking down and shutting us off. <laughs> But she just, I don't know. It's, she's crazy. Her name is Millie. And I named her Millie because all she does is mill around. And you can see she's always in my biz. Well, but, uh, the, the funny part about that before you <laughs> intro the show. Oh, is, well, I was going to add something to your. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. That you, there was one thing that you said that I, that I caught that, you know, I meet with some teachers um, about maybe twice a, a, a month uh on a sunday after church you know they're they're part of people who go to my church but they're all teachers so we kind of have a little meeting with them at times when they want and um but one of the things we talked about on our last topic was uh teaching with compassion and so we, we actually addressed that idea that you have to have compassion when you work with students because you don't know what their situation is and sometimes that's one of the hardest things to do because at just as students, when they're 
disrespectful or, you know, they've had a hard time and you're trying to get your stuff done and you know that the principal's coming and we're having a visit from the administration and that's the one day that um, student junior decides to act up and you're like, you know, but uh, it's really hard sometimes to have that compassion. So mm-hmm. when you said the word compassion, it made me think of our conversation. And then I thought, you know, I think that really is true is when we do teach those who teach with compassion, um, I think is it really strengthens what we do. But anyway, go ahead. Before well, I enter the show, what were you going to say? Well, I, well now I got to double down on that, which is, ah! <laughs> you know, it's it, it, truthfully, 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 truthfully. I, it's the hardest thing about teaching. It's the best thing about teaching. And this extends to admin. It extends to paras. It, it extends to anyone that deals with kids on a, on a large scale, which is compassion fatigue is a real thing. Yes, and it empathy is. fatigue is a real thing. And I think that's the mm-hmm. hardest thing about our jobs is when you work in a place and schools happen to be these places, regardless of the socioeconomic class you're in, uh, there is so much trouble, not just in kids doing wrong things, but so much trouble in the sense that they're, you know, there's trouble in their lives and there's discontent and there's there's injustice and there's abuse and there's neglect and there is mental health problems and there, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that's going on all the time. And so when you deal with that on a large scale, you, there's this fatigue that goes on and I just can't help but think, you know, we've, we've run into educators over the years. I know Ocho, you've seen this on and off throughout your educational career is when you run into those educators who are, jaded uh, to a point when they've they're at that fatigue level but they never get out of it uh mm-hmm. i think that's the saddest piece is when you when when an educator just can't see that imp- or feel that empathy anymore and feel that right. feel that compassion i think that is the the i think that is the greatest time or the greatest indicator of someone who needs to move on with what they're doing and some people don't right like i think you do this because you you have so much empathy for kids and you you know you might get frustrated and angry and and uh you know disgruntled with whatever's going on in the classroom and so do I and mm-hmm. but you you always come back because you know that there's a purpose and you know that someone has to be there for kids and you have to take care of them and that that's a unique gift for someone that's been doing it as long as you have but not everyone has that in them and not not everyone should like I don't I don't think it's a no one should feel bad for losing that touch because you 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 are who you are but I think mm-hmm. you should acknowledge when you're at that point. I think there's a lot of people who stay in the profession probably because of salary reasons and benefits and stuff that, uh, you know, they just simply, they stay too long when they've lost that ability to do that. And I think that's, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think there's a solution to that. I think it's just something that we have to acknowledge as a. Well, it's, it's like that point of no return a- yeah. after a certain amount of time, you kind of get stuck. I was talking to um, another colleague of ours and, and they're at that 15 year mark, you know, it's 30 years to get to retire. They're looking at, they're almost at that point of no return because you got so much invested into your, at least here in Texas, into your retirement fund and all of those things. It's it's hard to quit. And then you, like you said, you end up working for the benefits rather than, um, you know, the actual, what, what you started out to begin with. And that was another thing that we talked about in our group was remember your purpose. Remember your, your purpose. What, why don't, don't forget what you're really there for. Well, and that's what we concluded is teaching with, with compassion. Well, and that's the thing too, because it's, you know, sometimes like switching really does changing up things in whatever mm-hmm. way. Like, you know, I wasn't really losing my purpose in the classroom. But I was I was getting a little antsy, not because I didn't love what I did, not because I I didn't want to show up every day and help kids write better and and hone their ideas and stuff. Like I said, that's that is the number one thing I miss the most currently. But I was I was wanting to I was wanting to grow in different ways. And that's why I was reaching out into other roles and and really trying to just spread and and learn more and i gotta tell you i've learned a heck of a lot (laughs) jumping to a different district as a ap jumping to high school i mean it just teaches you so much about the educational system and i've some of my opinions have changed i'm still honing that um 
and really where I want to go. But ultimately, like we, I, I think about that a lot because I, I love this profession. I love teachers. Teachers change my life. I've said that speech a million times. It's it, the people that do this work are very important to a lot of people. And I think that it just behooves us to really acknowledge that what this work really is and to talk about it more because I, I and I've said this a lot of times too, is I think COVID uh, exacerbated and, and heightened a lot of emotions, but I think it really did show us who does this work for the right reasons and who may have gotten into this work for reasons that don't necessarily align with just what, what it takes. Like teaching is brutal and maybe that's unfair. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's something that should be fixed by systems and intervention and, and a re changing of the school system. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> the, but it's, it's, it's reality. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that is, it's incredibly important to talk about as educators, because we want people to join our profession that we can welcome in who understand like, yeah, dude, there's, there's a lot to celebrate. There's a lot to love. There's a lot of excitement. There is so much joy in this life as an educator, but it is hard. It is not easy. It is not something for the faint of heart. And I think that is, I think the more we talk about that, the more the right people will join. So that's just kind of, mm-hmm. that's a mild soapbox. But anyway, intro the show, Ochoa. <laughs> well, well, welcome, everybody. This is Craft and Draft, and I'm Pam Ochoa. That's Jacob Chastain, uh, our administrator on staff here at Craft and Draft. <laughs> Just finished his first semester, which is why I was asking about his successes. Because, you know, usually after your first semester, you're like either going to do it again or you're not. (laughs) So I wanted to kind of get a feel for that. But anyway, Jacob, tell us a little bit about what we're going to talk about tonight officially. Yes. Now, you know, I want to respond to that, too. We haven't. I feel like I haven't (laughs) spoken in forever. I'll I'll do the intro. We haven't. You've been out of commission. I know. It's busy. It's that's the hardest mm-hmm. part about administration too, is that my schedule was literally nonstop. I uh well, I'll come back to that. Remind me. But yes, we're talking about a lot. We're gonna cover a question today from Leah, one of our most diehard supporters over there on Patreon. Uh she's she's always involved. She's been listening for a very long time. Uh and she has a really cool question that I think we can tackle today that I, I think will be fun to kind of talk about for some of you guys. Um, we're also going to, uh, in a minute, talk about uh, our training that we're going to be doing. We've been teasing a little bit. We finally have something for you guys. So hopefully you're excited about that. But I want to tell you that this podcast is supported by our Patreon listeners. We don't have any ads on this podcast because people like you come over, they join the community and they support it. They keep the lights on. They allow us to keep going and they ask wonderful questions like Leah has. And if you want to do that, join us over there at patreon.com slash craft the draft. But you can find that link at craftdraftworkshop.com just like Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Nalissa, Destiny, Natalie, Tracy, Hannah, Lori, and Jen have two Welcome. new names on the list, which is Yay. absolutely wonderful. So thank you guys Welcome. for joining us. Hopefully we make it worth your while. This is going to be a wonderfully productive break for Pam and I, because we've, as you guys know, we've been, Pam's been busy. Her son has been doing all kinds of stuff. She's had family things going on. I've been busy just because I've been alternating with AP life and trying to figure out life. So this is our uh, break of catch up slash banking slash really honing in on supporting you all. So if you haven't already joined us on Patreon, it's going to be a blast. We have so much to talk about. And I want to tell you guys that we are finally announcing our upcoming training. Our first training that we did through Zoom, we have a bunch of bonus videos on Patreon, but our true training where we had you guys join us was all about the craft and draft system and really about the first uh, few, the first week of workshop. And what we've kind of realized is A lot of teachers, you know, at this point in the year, they're like, okay, we're going into the second half. Testing is coming up. We're revamping. We're we're resetting. And we want to go deeper. And so Pam and I are really going to hone in on what we call strategies to deepen workshop engagement. So that is what this upcoming training is going to be all about. We're going to have a lot more details as we go. But we wanted to tell you guys on this episode that that is coming. Um, It will be the same pricing structure. So if you are a listener plus 
contributor on Patreon, you get instant access regardless of who you are and whatnot. You get instant access. It is wonderful. If you are a listener uh, tier person, you get a discount. And then if you're someone who isn't a Patreon supporter, but you want to be involved, it will be a $25 entry fee, which can be paid through Venmo, just like we did last time. Those links will be found in this post if you want to secure your spot. We're going to be announcing this over the next few weeks because the training is on January 7th. We were going to do it on New Year's Eve, but we figured a lot of you guys might be out partying, getting your groove on and everything else. Uh, Even though Pam and I will probably be podcasting that (laughs) night, uh, you guys might have different lives than we do. So we figured we wouldn't do that. So it will be on January 7th. We'll kind of hone in on a time uh, as we get closer. But January 7th, come ready to talk about strategies to deepen workshop engagement. Again, that link will be in this post. If you're on Patreon, you guys know how to get access to it. Listener plus tiers, you guys don't have anything to worry about. We'll hand it to you. Listener, we will give you all the access for your discount since you support us and then everyone else come join us. It'll be a wonderful time. It'll be a Zoom discussion and then we will definitely have a Q&A afterwards just like we did last time. So come ready for an hour, hour and a half, two hours of awesome workshop discussions where we just get to hang out and discuss or join us on patreon if you want to join us on patreon remember if you join us at the 25 dollar tier which is listener plus tier you get access to our previous training training videos and everything else but if you want to support us at the listener tier as well you get bonus episodes including eight episodes that are already up there that is over eight hours of bonus content so anyway that is so much info dump let's get to the conversation all righty Mr. Cho, I told you to remind me about something. What did I tell you to remind me about? I don't remember. Oh, (laughs) my God. We're talking about uh, compassionate teaching and purpose. I can't remember. I'm so sorry. I know you told me to remind me about the, oh I thought the God. word remind, remind It's remind probably you. for the best because we're already at 22 minutes. That's okay. All right. Um, all right, all right. I do want to give a shout out to Jill, who's one of our listeners, because she had messaged us about one of our previous episodes a while ago. She said, oh, my okay. stomach hurts from laughing so hard. Oh, You're what I yes. want for Christmas <laughs> moment. I'm certain that I've listened to it a dozen times. <laughs> she just thanks for keeping it in the episode well. because I really needed to laugh at that this morning well we had a good laugh well you had to keep going on and on because i had a disaster yeah and so uh yeah so so what actually happened was apparently um you know because i was gone on you know because my son had a a grandbaby you know i had my grandbaby but anyway my granddaughter that lives with me for my daughter she my daughter and my granddaughter live with me so anyway they have moved the cabals to a certain spot i think my little granddaughter did so apparently one of my cats jumped up there and grabbed the mat but slipped and when they slipped all the glass bowls came crashing down and so that's what happened so i had to leave for a second and uh glass was everywhere but my daughter was nice enough to pick it all up so i could get back here but uh that poor that poor cat i don't think she i don't think he's come out not the one that i was wrangling with but i was only wrangling with one because that other one was so scared <laughs> went and ran and hid didn't come out for hours <laughs> see but, but that's all of what... it's food down on it plus it's water that's what happened. You were distracted. And I was like, well, I got to I didn't want to pause because you just ruined the flow. So I just spoke. And you know what? When you let me talk, I eventually go down these weird rabbit holes. Well, I came back and because, you know, I really wasn't listening. <laughs> I know everybody thought I was listening, but I was really gone. <laughs> Trying to take care of my crash. So I come back and you're like, I'm like what are you talking about? And you were like, well, that's what you want for Christmas. Okay. That was funny. That's awesome. All I went righty. back and listened to that and you were like going on. I know. It's so, I still haven't clipped it. I really, I'll probably do that over break for sure because it's awesome. That was funny. It's so inside baseball for people, but that's why I love craft and draft. You know, teach me teacher. Like there's so many people that, you know, just all of that podcast has been going for so long. That is a. Uh, it, there's just so many people that listen to it and I don't, I don't have, like I get messages from people all the time, but I don't have a, a direct connection for every person I get, but craft and draft, the people that message us usually 
yeah, there's have- usually that connection. And because, it, it, you know, it's a little small community, we it's so specific and people it's just such a more personal podcast than teach me teacher is because right. each teacher is about the guests and this is about us. And so it, uh, it's so it's, it, it just hits home when someone laughs at the <laughs> crap that we do on this show. It's like, Oh, y'all are our uh. people. It's so nice that there's people who, who tune in and who have been listening for so long <laughs> that, uh, they connect yeah. to some of our weird stories, but Leah is one of those speaking of, and she had messaged you, us um, about two weeks ago asking this question. I think it's really interesting. So let, I'm going to read her comment in full. So here it goes. She says, I have a question that could go to Pam and Jacob or any of you who might experience this craft and draft in one notebook. I started using craft and draft our virtual year three years ago, which is wild. have this podcast been going for three years. Well, yeah, because remember we started. Well, when we started it, you drove to my house. You gave me the microphone and said, <laughs> we're starting on Saturday <laughs> and we're not even supposed to be talking to each other because we were supposed to be behind mask. Yeah. So you yes. didn't even get out of the car. It was just you handed it to me and said, well, <laughs> we're starting Saturday. That's so <laughs> Get funny. it worked out. Cool. I didn't even have a computer that worked well. That's anyway, correct. I remember. Yeah, I had to purchase oh my a computer. God. That's wild. Time flies. But yeah, that was three years ago. Uh, so she said she's been started using the virtual year three years ago. She says, I love having the two notebook system. I see the benefits every day as students reference back to many lessons in one notebook while they have their draft out in the other. It's perfect. Beautiful. Leah, you're amazing. She also says, I'm about to start a new position though. I will be a six through eight creative writing teacher as a connections teacher. The class runs nine weeks and I'll see my students every other day as the connections are scheduled as A or B days. The purpose of the class is to enrich the writing experience, a.k.a. raise the writing scores for the students who are on or above their grade reading level. While it makes sense to do two notebooks in practice, I want to explore a single notebook option given that I really don't have the students for very long. Also, I think I'll structure the class as a multi-genre project as I'm supposed to cover argumentative and for informative and narrative standards. It makes the most sense in my brain to meld them all together. I'm thinking they'll present slash publish three pieces of different genres on one topic. What do you think of that? Thank you for your feedback. I wish there were a way for members who would be notified of comments so we could be more easily respond to each other. Thanks for all you do. On that last note, we uh, truthfully, Patreon is really great because it gives us a platform to have ki- have, have people be able to support us and that way we can serve them the way uh, they need and the way they request and all that. It's a, it, there's really no platform like it in that aspect, but th- they really got to update their notification system and whatnot. Maybe we can open up a, a discord or there's some, there's some apps that we can maybe invite people to who join okay. us and like, there's like Voxer and stuff. I know Mary Howard, yeah. she used to do Voxer, you know, you can just kind of have your people mm-hmm. on there and that way people can just kind of talk to each other. That'd be cool to have, bring our community together like that. We should explore that. Okay. Miss um, Ochoa, that might be fun all to right. look into. So good uh, idea. yeah, because that's, I think that's something that all of them want because they'll often put out, you know, Hey, if anyone else has opinions, cause they don't just want to hear from us. Right. And, and it's just and harder I, on Patreon to get that feedback. Right. But some of them do get the feedback. Yeah, like they, some of them we've do, had sure. a few threads of conversations on there, but you're right. It's not as immediate. They have to wait. Yeah. And that's that. I think that's yeah. the downfall is, you know, we, we just live mm-hmm. in an immediate world. So, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And so yeah. well, maybe we, we need to look into that to fix that for some of our okay. people. Well, maybe at our next meeting. Yeah, for sure. So in any case, Leah, I, first of all, the I actually have some insight into the nine weeks AB situation because that's what our teachers are currently on. So where I work, first and eighth, they see every day for 45 minutes, but they have a full block for their you know second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh classes, but they see them every other day. So I was new to that this year, but I'm glad I've kind of lived that life because I've been able to watch English teachers navigate that, so to speak. But, you know, I have some thoughts about condensing craft and draft into one journal, but I I wanted to kind of, you know, pitch it to you, Miss Ochoa, which is, you know, fundamentally the two journal system came about because you and I at our middle school and in our district at the time 
really was focused on reading and writing almost as separate things. And we were trying to merge them in a way that made sense in a variety of ways, made sense to us, made sense to the kids, made sense to our districts, but also really was a way for kids to see the connection, um, but gave room for them to explore because we were really, we were going through so much. They really did need kind of two journals to navigate that. So when you think of consolidating this into writing really specific, which it sounds like Lee is doing, there's really not a reading component to this other than probably model text. What are your, what's your initial reaction to the, the condi- condensing that into one journal? Well, I mean, I used to teach a GT writing class to seventh, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders at different times, but not all together, not, not, but it was a GT, GT writing without the reading. Cause we used to, at that particular school, it was not blocked. Uh, and I've done all different kinds of things. I've taught, like you said, I've taught a blocked geography slash, uh, English class, so I, on that one, I would do my geography on the left side because I didn't even think about two notebooks back then, you know, my writing on the right side. But when I one of the things about having a writing notebook and having where it is just writing, I, I would have a, a I would have a large section on I would still no matter what have that topic finding section and it would be a place it might be a little bit a bigger place, if you will, of students going out and making observations, uh, going out. And so that that front part of my book would be all about finding ideas and finding information to write about, uh, you know, topic ideas, things like that. So what I mean is if they read something like, well, back then it would be like in the newspaper and you find it and you cut it out and you put it in, you know, that's kind of like how uh, Robert Frost on his, you know, infamous poem out out uh he actually was reading the newspaper and he clipped an article and that article sponsored uh out out as a poem you know so but you would take clippings you would take your favorite candy bar wrapper and you would you know glue it into that notebook anything that would just you know little sketches uh, just a variety of things, just list and list of ideas. But anything that catches their attention, if they, if somebody says something uh, that you're like, oh, that's a good saying, you know, oh, I got to write that quote down. That was pretty cool. Or any meme that, you know, memes would be really good. Uh, those types of things, anything that they find interesting, uh, maybe something on, I don't know, some people, some kids, you know, they're big on TikTok, things like that. Anything where, where, you know, they're topic finding, generating type things. And I would keep a section of my, my craft book or my draft book um, with those things. Uh, And then this, the last half of the book or whatever, three fourths of the book would be uh, they're writing and I would continue it the way we typically run it. And that would be on the right side, they do their writing. And on the left side, they do their revisions, their notes on their writing. They reflect on their writing. They set their goals for the writing. I would definitely continue the writing goals section. I think that would be, you know, on that left side, their, their standard could be there on the left side, their writing could be all on the right side. Um, you still have your your table of contents, those types of things. But I would I would really want to make this a a true interactive, you know, these are my ideas, a collection, kind of a cache, if you will, of uh of of thoughts and ideas and clippings of their world in which they see things, you know, if uh maybe even what what is it in the old days where um uh, I think Emily Dickinson would press flowers and send it out to their friends and her poems that she would send to people as gifts. And, you know, so like, you know, just different kinds of things that they would, they would keep in that, in that notebook. I would, if it's a creative writing class and I know they have to have opinions and all that kind of stuff. So they could even uh, search the web for headlines, uh, you know, things like that, things that where they could find opinions about list of things that they want and then go looking for it, find little clippings. I don't know. What do you think about that? Vocabulary? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, truthfully, right. If you're looking at the way we talk about the two journal thing, like, tr- and I, I love what Leah talks about is kind of combining 
you know, her, mm-hmm. the multi-genre approach we've talked about multiple times, you know, it's something that I think is super valuable for kids to see that, you know, I, I truthfully, probably one of the greatest detriments in curriculum is, uh, is that it's so disconnected, like the old school, like this is my unit on informational. This is what we're doing. Like, I think there's value in teaching something for a period of time. But we I think it's it's really time for us to realize writing is writing. And it really comes down to who who are you writing for and why you're writing. Mm-hmm. So talking about mm-hmm. audience and purpose, and that will dictate your form. And so I think that is such a more nuanced way to really approach some of this stuff. Um, and the traditional way curriculum is written doesn't do that necessarily. And so it becomes on the teacher to really craft lessons in a way that inspires that. And I, the one journal idea, I think it's really cool because to me, you know, and this really connects to kind of what you were saying was, you know, if you're looking at, uh, you know, informational, maybe combined with narrative, right? I think those two genres really do connect. Because if you think about the most, or even argumentative, I mean, uh, this is me going, oh, yeah, it all connects. But it truthfully, like, if you're looking at, like, some of the most persuasive pieces of nonfiction I've ever read, Real, it just has a captivating narrative through it. And before you know mm-hmm. it, you've read this long article that has given you information. It's persuaded you to think a certain way. And it was written in a way that was that flowed like narration. It wasn't mm-hmm. just facts, right? It, right. It, if facts worked, you know, people would just yeah, like it, you would just always read bullet points on stuff. But that's not news, right? There's a reason mm-hmm. like the the headlining news always has some type of story attached to it. If you want to talk about uh, a prevalence of gang violence in a city, you bring up a narrative where someone was affected by gang violence. You don't just talk numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And so that combination when you're working with kids, I think is really valuable. So when you look at like a one journal spread, right, you open it up. To me, it's a perfect opportunity to go, you know, the what I'm working on, you know, maybe you're, let's say you're like, you have a kid working on, I don't know, any type of narrative. So like, let's say a narrative on, I don't know, like they're, they're writing about teen anxiety. Right. Uh, and so, okay, cool. Now, if you're working on it, if you're in one journal and you're working on it for a period of time, maybe even through your mini lessons, you're looking at a narrative. So something fiction, that deals with anxiety. So that can be on a left page somewhere. So let's say page one, it has left page kids, write Kind of their perspective on the right side. Maybe it's a response. Maybe they're just writing the next page. So the next day, or maybe the next other day, right? Cause it's uh, every other day for her. Maybe it's a news headline clipping, right? Some clippings mm-hmm. of stuff that's on the left page, but they're still responding on the right side. So the right side is the continuation of their ideas. The left mm-hmm. side is a continuation of the many lessons and really honing in on those pieces, whether it's student driven mm-hmm. or teacher driven. It really depends on her kids, the age group, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And so what happens is as you're flipping rather than uh, in a craft and draft traditional model of my craft book is my mini lesson and maybe practice on the left or something like that. It's a continuation of ideas on the left and then their work on the right, more like That'd a draft be fun with me. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be really cool because you could see as a teacher. So if you're looking for your data of looking for growth, understanding, really looking for the work that kids are doing as you're flipping, you should see really the enhancement of ideas, execution and the transfer from what the mini lesson is to their pieces, uh, almost in real time. And I think, I think that would be, I mean, just talking about it makes me want to do it. Yeah, no, I think that would be, that would be just fine on that left side. That's what I meant. Maybe your goals, things like that. Um, I still wouldn't give up my topic finding at the beginning. I just wouldn't do that. And, and the reason is, is because that's where my students personally get their choices. So like, like the other day we did, uh, when I say the other day, we were doing informational text, right? I have a child who wrote about algebra. Now, who writes about algebra? But I have this GT student. Guess what he loves? He loves math. And he says, Miss Ochoa, I have to write about math. I just have to. And I'm like, okay. And that sure enough, where did he find that out? That was at one of the lists, things he wants to know more about. 
So he wrote, started off with a little, his introduction to algebra and his algebra teacher and how much he really appreciates, you know, and, and you know, this algebra teacher and you, you uh, have high accolades about, about this person. And, uh, but anyway, she uh, has inspired him to learn more about it. And he writes about exponents. And next thing you know, he's showing me figures of of uh, what exponents look like. And then a next section he was, but he had collected all of this stuff, right? But his idea came from at the beginning when he had listed things he loves, things he wants to know more about. And it was, he loved math that was in his heart map. And then he turns around, you could see that then when he wants to know more about, well, he just got into algebra. So guess what he wants to know more about? He wants to know more about uh, algebra, and then he wants to know more about exponents. You could just see that whole train of thinking, and then now he gets to write about it. And uh, but he wrote all about who created the idea of exponents, why they started. Um, gave me a little scenario about that person, a little background, a little anecdote about that person who founded uh, and used exponents for the first time and how that came about and why they're necessary. And that's how he ended. But the whole thing is, is who would write about that? So when you're having them do argumentative informational uh, narrative standards, those types of things, you know, you, we all have to do those. But if you could get the students to write about something that they really love, because there's no way in the world I would have ever assigned algebra as an assignment. Can you imagine that being an a prompt? Now, that doesn't mean that they don't have to do prompts, right? But what I told them was, okay, so now what you've got to do, if that's what you want to do, you've got to go start researching algebra. You've got to start researching your exponents. What are you really interested in? Find out. Because he was, he was struggling. Because he really started his very first piece was... I love my math teacher. I love algebra. And we are learning about exponents and I find them fascinating. And then he goes, Mr. Cho, I don't know where else to go with this. And so we kind of looked, I said, we'll start looking up where did they come from? Who, you know, so I helped him. That was part of a, a conference that we had on where do I go next conference that he sponsored because he came to me and asked me, I need to talk with you, you know, because I have it open where they, if they want to come talk about their writing, I'm always, I was like, okay, now's your time to talk about the writing one at a time, blah, blah, blah. So that he came up to my table and that's what we talked about. And so then sure enough, he goes back and he starts researching. So the clippings that I'm talking about, and those could be on that left side. And that's where they find, you know, his little things that he learned about, um, the people who invented the idea of exponents, you know, uh, those people, he, you know, he could have little clippings, he could cut out their faces, he could do all different, you know, just have that on that left side, and then on the right side, respond about it. But then further down, now she's going to teach, like you said, about argumentative. So now, can he write an argumentative essay about why we need exponents? I mean, I would never write that. But he could, you know, because he's passionate enough about it. And then so he's already informed me. Now I can argue about it. And then now he can write a novel, not a novel, but a short story or a poem about math. And he can use that. We've had several people who have written novels where they use math to solve the problem, uh, different codes and different things that you have to know about. Well, you can include all of that in all of those things. And I know that that's maybe not what you're talking about, but all of a sudden that just dawned on me that if you could have a, cause he just, I just read it. Cause you know, I just graded all my essays and this was one that just, it was fascinating for me as a writing teacher to go, Oh my goodness, I would have never assigned this, but because I left it so open, go back into your idea finding section and find something that you really want to know more about that you think you can inform me about that you think you're an expert at. And then that's where he found his idea. Now let's explore that idea. How many other ways can we look at it? How many other perspectives can you look at it? Well, and that's a great bridge to really kind of where Lee is going. And I think this is awesome. And this this would be cool to talk. Maybe we can bring Leah on this show like we did oh, Courtney yeah. and, and talk about her, maybe even brainstorm this with her or when she starts doing it, if she's down for that. I don't know if wants to put their voice on a podcast, but... Her, she had talked about uh, in her question, she goes, you know, I'm thinking they'll present slash publish three pieces 
of different genres on one topic. I mean, that is stuff like when, when craft and draft was originating and I really had that class of 20 kids where I was experimenting with this stuff uh, with you and we were playing mm-hmm. with these ideas and seeing how they would mm-hmm. work in this really interesting environment of kids from all different walks of life for people who don't know, you know, I was a literacy coach and then I had a class that literally had kids from, you know, the lowest tier of instruction all the way up to really GT, right? It was, it was 20 kids spread across that spectrum. And so we had to get creative and, that's where a lot of these ideas generated was when me and you were problem solving for that type of class. And yeah, that's true. Um, that idea though, of doing that, looking at one topic, you know, I said teen anxiety, so let's do that again. So working with that, you know, in poetry form and in informational form and then in narrative form, and then just challenging students to not only write in that way, but really just think from different perspectives. I think it is, and it's infinitely powerful. And I'm going to bring in kind of an out of left field <laughs> example. Um, so we just went to a place over here in Texas uh, with our admin team and our counseling team. There's like, I don't know how many there are of us, but we went to a place called the House of Shine. It's in Grapevine. Um, it's really interesting. It's a whole business, but it's it's kind of all, it's very team buildy. It's very like know your personality types and know other people so you can kind of really connect to them. It's highly influenced on the Enneagram. Have you ever done the Enneagram, Miss Ochoa? I have. I, you know, I, I've done so many. You know, we had one principal that always was like, have you done the personality test? Yeah, have you yeah. done this? I've done all of those things. So I don't think so. So I'm not a, I'm not like a huge supporter of it like it is what it is i'm just i'm very objective when it comes to things like that and so the enneagram personality test horoscopes all of that i kind of put it all in kind of the same how do you do that how do you spell that make sure i'm hearing you right e-n-n-a-e-g-r-a-m i think that's me spelling out loud i'm not an out loud speller something like that'll get you close enough when you google i found it so all right go ahead nine personality types Right. And so there are it's really interesting. I mean, at the very least, it's interesting because what happens is you there's a bunch of different tests and some people say there's a test. Some people say there's not. But in this PD, though, where we're we had already taken a test and she lines us up in this U shape, the person that's doing kind of this training based on our numbers. And the whole goal of the training is to talk about your numbers, talk about what you're connected to on the beliefs. We had like all of these like little sheets and stuff that we kind of went through and we talked about what we, it it was kind of cool the way she did it. I really liked how it was presented regardless of if I fully buy into it, but it was, it really honed in on the different ways people interact. And the whole emphasis was, Hey, what you might find annoying really is a skill of someone else's personality. Right. And like Mm -hmm. a good example is like, like one of my personality traits, and this is legit. It's kind of funny. It's I, I feel the, I perform worse when I feel restricted or in a box. And so I rebel and I constant. And so to work with someone like me is to let me be the exception when the exception is possible, rather than holding me to something that doesn't necessarily to be held to. Right. And that in certain contexts, that seems really obnoxious. But knowing that that's just how I operate, it really does just change how you deal with someone like me. Like another example that's not someone like me is someone who asks a bunch of questions, right? Someone that might seem like a naysayer in a meeting, right? So they're the person who's always pointing out, well, this won't work because of this. Oh, that won't work because of this, right? We all know those people and that might be annoying, but really it's a strength of their personality type. So the, the whole PD was realizing that even though this might annoy you because of your personality and who you are, truthfully, It's, it's the strength of other people that you should be looking for. And so my tie to that, to what we were talking about was teaching kids to think like that early on, Mm -hmm. I think can really be such a massive boon for them, both academically and really socially and professionally being able to sit in a room with people that annoy the crap out of you or people you don't agree with, but constantly being able to see why they think a certain way allows you to build bridges. Right. And that's, that's a convert. That's a constant thing that I'm having to do, like in my job that I really didn't have to do as a teacher, as a teacher, I could sit in a meeting 
and be like, oh, I just don't agree with you. You're dumb. Go back to my classroom and I do my own thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But as someone who has responsibilities outside of my classroom, I have to constantly go, okay, so this person feels this way. This is why they think that. How do I build that bridge to this person who is the exact opposite, but feels like they're just as correct? And that's a skill set when we're thinking about working with kids. That's a skill set that increases their chances of being successful in any position. Right. And and I think that so with someone like Leah, who's looking to really look at, hey, let's talk about one topic in multi genres. That's what we're doing. Like when we want mm-hmm. to advocate for these practices, we're teaching kids to think in a variety of ways and to think about different audiences, think about different purposes. We're teaching them to navigate the complexities of the human experience in a, in a variety of situations, whether it be personal, professional or social um, and I, I truthfully, that's the power of English is that it extends so far. And so when you get a teacher like Leah, who's already wanting to do that within this, I, I, I truthfully think that there's not there isn't a lot more that can be done. Like that's kind of the holy grail of English, right? Like we we would love for every kid to be super into literature and uh, language and the play of words and grammar and all of that. Like that's the English teacher's dream. But truthfully, what we're trying to do is to create great communicators, regardless of what they do. And that multi-genre approach, I, I just think that is, that's really the, 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 what is it? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, a dartboard. What am I looking for? What word? Are Target? Gonna... <laughs> no, <laughs> bullseye that's the bullseye <laughs> on the target i just couldn't think of the word that's it's the bullseye what we're talking about but anyway that's i just think it's amazing yeah well um also i was sitting in an avid um whatever it was a socratic seminar avid um um PD, all of a sudden I'm lost for words all of a sudden. But anyway, and uh, one of the things that they did was have us read different things from that perspective. So like if you are, you're talking about your teenage anxiety, if you read it from a student who has anxiety, then are, you know, or you write it from that viewpoint and then you turn around and write it from maybe a parent's viewpoint, or then you write it from a teacher's viewpoint, or you write it from a psychologist's viewpoint, you're going to end up focusing on different aspects of it. And so sometimes even if you take and say, okay, think now, like, you know, how would a psychologist think about that? You know, and then you have the students come from it from those different directions. Um, you know, that that right there, I've done that. And it's pretty powerful uh, when you do things like that. So but I do like I do like that. And and I think when you were talking about your multi-genre back then, you were having them read different types of genres as well. But you were looking at I remember you doing technology and you're looking at the argument for or against technology, but you're looking at it from. A narrative viewpoint so you were maybe looking at Ray Bradbury and some of his narrative that's and then I think you had a poem um, that you looked from and then you also had some articles that were for and against it yep. and then so when you have the students so I still think even if you're going to do like a writing uh, t- creative writing course where you just you know because I still brought in reading when I taught my writing class I just wasn't stuck doing what the reading teachers had to do does that make sense so I actually let my let my um maybe essential question my theme or like what we're talking about here drive my literature and I like doing that and that's that's something that because you want to you want to have model text and so that's where you and and that's where you do the imitating and things like that. So it's part of my mini lessons when I did would do this would be taking an excerpt, taking a piece out of whatever I'm trying to focus on. So if I'm focusing on endings, then that's what we would do. We would read several different types of endings from several different types of, you know, like an argumentative text, an informative text, a narrative text. Exactly how do the how are these endings different? So they would do a study. Okay, now look at your pieces that you've written. Let's see if we can add different ways of 
ending your piece and what does that do to your piece? Is that really what you want to say? Does it change what you want to say? But that's one of the things that I would I would think about doing. But I don't know where I was. My actual point with that is other than um, keep reading, even though you have a writing class, I wanted to tell Leah and anybody else who just does writing, keep reading in your class because it's the reading where the students get the modeling. And so that's really where I'm going with that. And so you might could on that left side, put some model text in there, kind of like what you do and then have them imitate. That could be something that they could do, imitate that style or imitate that, that, uh, genre specific characteristic in order to learn how to do it. I mean, and truthfully, you know, and this goes for anyone listening, whether you're Leah or mm-hmm. someone who just found the podcast and has been listening for a few years, a few months, a few weeks, truthfully, you know, we, we have uh, some, a lot of our early episodes really go in depth on the craft and draft process. And obviously we have our training stuff on the, the Patreon, but you know, when we, when, when we talk about this stuff, it's, it, it a lot is some of it is so flexible. Like we, nothing that we advocate for in any respect, whether it's our actual journal system workshop or anything like that is, is so specific. You know, it really comes down to looking at what your kids need, what you're trying to accomplish and then finding ways to do that. Like that is, I think that's what we advocate for the most. And craft and draft was our way of, of making a system around that freedom but based on your limitations, your students, your time, you're going to find a bunch of different ways. So if you're like the people who like the, a lot of the, we have a lot of people who've listened to this, who've made their craft books and draft books and they've done it, you know, kind of their way and uh, have shown us kind of their examples. I think those are super interesting to hear about. And we always advocate, you know, if you want to send us a message and show us those, we'd love to look at them mm-hmm. and see them. You know, they're, I think they're super cool to see. We've had a few people show us uh, various examples, which is super awesome, but you know, have fun with this idea. I think the fundamental idea of what we advocate for is, is the study of the craft and room for kids to draft their ideas based on that. And that within that frame, that can be so many different things. And, you know, as Pam and I look to distill this information, our, our biggest challenge every time we sit down is, Oh my God, we have so many ideas and there's so many ways to talk about this. And it's, it almost, you know, every conversation Pam and I have is really like, okay, how do we distill this down into something that makes sense? And, 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 in a bite-sized format because it's, you can go so many ways. I mean, this is why this podcast exists because half the time Pam and I go, okay, this is our topic. And then by the time we end with it, we're on so many other topics that Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's this, it's because this work is dynamic. It's deep. It's, it's needed, but it's, it's, it's also powerful. And so, you know, truthfully, Regardless of where you are, I think that the best way to kind of walk away from any conversation, any question, any concern you have is really just, you know, what is what's working and how are you measuring it's working and what what creative ideas do you have to fix it? You know, I know there's stress and you, you there's there's the pressures of your campus and admin and every all of that other stuff. But find that joy. You find the joy in what you're doing and what you're going with. And I think you can't go wrong and as long as you're always learning, evolving and switching stuff up. Um, I think you're good. And I know Ochoa does it. I've seen her do the same idea a million different ways, and she continues to do it. Um, by speaking of, I need to come to your classroom again and just kind of see. I think that'd be super fun to uh, to do. But um, in any case, that that's kind of my capstone. You have a capstone for this for this as we close out tonight. No, I mean I like what you had to say. I think I think we let's just tie everything together, and that was. Success was the first thing we talked about, right? right? So success with comes when you teach with compassion, right? And as you said, um, keeping the students first, what they need, what the teacher needs, uh, helps you maintain your joy. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen, for Craft and Draft. Subscribe if you have not already. This episode is dropping a little later. Pamela, Ch- oh, it is what it is. We're we're trying <laughs> to do what we do. I don't know. 
it's crazy times. We'll, 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 this is going to be up a little bit later, but that means that there's going to be a link in the description and everywhere else for you to go ahead and secure your spot on our Zoom training. For those of you who weren't at the last one, we're going to host a Zoom. We're going to walk through some stuff. We're going to go through training. You guys can ask questions during it, and we'll have a Q&A afterwards. We're going to be talking about so much, but mostly we are definitely going to be diving into the strategies to deepen workshop engagement. Once again, if you're a listener plus person, go ahead. You guys don't have to do anything more. If you want to get into this, if you were like, man, I want to be in the training, go to the Patreon, join our listener plus tier. Not only will you get access to the training on January 7th, but you'll get access to the previous training, all of our videos and all of our bonus episodes over there on Patreon just by doing that. So for the same price as joining the training, just, uh, just joining it right there. You can get all of those other things. If you want to do that over there on Patreon to me, that's an amazing deal, but you are you. So you decide what you want to do. If you don't want to do that, go ahead, hit the click or click the link to join and we will secure your spot get you access to the live training and if people asked last time no you don't have to be at the live training although we would love for you to be because it makes everything more fun if you can't make the live training we're going to record it and then we'll post it so you can have access to it later so that goes whether you've heard this today tomorrow or in the year 2035 so reach out and we'll make it happen ladies and gentlemen come back next week for another episode subscribe if you haven't already leave a review if you haven't already and know that we are here for you. 